Welcome to Sensor Noise, a podcast about photography. I'm Andrew, joined as always by Arthur. This week, no funny bit, because we're just getting straight into the news, because it is big film news. Welcome to the news segment. Um, And we have other news to talk about, but I I cannot emphasize to you how excited I am today. Um, As we record this, it's December 1st, and... uh, Harmon Photo, which is the parent company of Ilford, uh, the big black and white film brand, historic black and white film brand, has announced their first color film, Harmon Phoenix. Um, It's an ISO 200 color film. It's the first film um, to be produced from their uh, Mobberly UK factory that's color, um, which is quite a feat because that machine has only ever done black and white film. Um, and this is, is this uh, this the first new color film from anyone in, uh, years? This is the first, like, yeah. (laughs) So, so I guess there's been quote unquote new color films that are like repackaged versions of motion picture films. This is, I think the first new color film, um, in at least a decade. Um, yeah. So the, the, I think prior to this, the, previous like newest color film from a big brand was Kodak Ektar, which was introduced in 2008. So yeah, that's how long it's been to get like a brand new, entirely new, unique color film emulsion. And this is, um, tremendously exciting. I didn't, unfortunately I'm not a YouTube, YouTuber influencer, so I didn't get the advance, uh, you know, gift thing to be able to take, shots ahead of time and give my impressions. But uh, I have seen uh, some of those fo- uh, photos that people have taken um, and I've watched some videos already and I'm really excited about this film because it has like a very classic sort of look and it's also um, very contrasty and very grainy. Um, and uh, it, it's, I would call it like a, um, you know, it's a lomographic film, basically. It's right, not sure. You know, in comparison with Ektar, which is a very high, uh, like, fidelity film, this is not. This is a film that's going to look crunchy um, and analog. And they, they even freely admit, they're like, this is our first. We're really proud of what we have achieved with Harmon Phoenix 200. Um, but they say, like, you know, this is uh, uh, an experimental limited edition film and the first step on our color journey. Making color films is very different to black and white, and while we have made good progress, we recognize we have a lot more to learn. Please embrace this film for all its quirks and differences. So they're basically saying, like, we understand that this film is going to be weird and, like, bad, but bad on purpose kind of thing. Um, Yeah, that's the whole point. Right. You you kind of want want the film to have character. You don't want it to be necessarily a perfect representation of what you're taking a photo of. If you want that, you would just shoot digital. Exactly. Um, but this is also like attempt one, and it sounds like they're basically going to like iterate on this and try and improve. Yeah, that's exciting. And, and get to um, a really good uh, color film. And um, this uh, uh, film is is even just like the base of the film, the plastic base. Most color films that are daylight balanced have an, an orange base because uh, – uh, you know, it's basically the inverse of, of the daylight 
um, color spectrum. This has like a purple base, which to me looks mm. basically like the base they use for their black and white film, which makes sense. But that also means okay. that like scanning it is going to be very weird because right. uh, a scanner's default settings for color film is going to make this look weird as a result. Mm. So they have a whole page on how to scan it properly and things like that. Um, how to meter for it properly. Um, yeah, I, and, and what I should notice, I am holding on day one, uh, two rolls of it here. Um, because, uh, well, I can't say precisely how I got hold of these, but it, it pays to know <laughs> people, um, put it that way. So, um, I am probably going to shoot at least one of these rolls this weekend and hopefully report back. Um, and then I've got more on order cause I just love color film and weird film. Um, and I want them to, uh, continue to make and iterate on color film. This is, um, it's, it's the price is 1399 a roll. It's only available in 35 millimeter right now, 36 exposures. Um, that's like a mid priced for color film. There's certainly cheaper right. color film, but there's also much more expensive color film. Um, I just think that it's exciting that they are apparently doing well enough that they can invest like the R and D to make a whole brand new color film. Cause I mean, being a film photographer lately is just like one announcement after the other, that certain films are like no longer available or temporarily quote unquote unavailable kind of thing. Yeah. You know, Fujifilm has been discontinuing films like crazy. And the idea, the the fact that we got a a totally brand new film stock in twenty twenty three is, uh, I just can't believe it's pretty it, amazing. To be honest, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it really shows where the film hobby has gone. Right. I think if you had asked me even three years ago if this would happen, I would say no. Yeah. No, not a chance. It's, it's a very exciting time to be a film photographer. Um. And I, I encourage, if you're at all interested in color film, to go and pick up at least a roll of Harman Phoenix 200 and uh, shoot it because it's it's pretty neat. You know, I'm a fan of the the like lomographic films anyway. Um, this film looked to me very similar to how Lomography's Lomachrome 92 kind of looks, and and Metropolis mm-hmm. a little bit as well. Um, you know, it's just got that like expired desaturated you know not a lot of dynamic range uh high grain kind of look um you know it's uh the sort of film where you could take a photo you know here in the modern day and people would probably think that that photo was taken in the 70s or something right that's so you know it's sort of i don't know in that way um you know, shooting film like this is almost like having a time machine because you can do that. And like, you know, you can simulate that in Lightroom and things like that, but you can also just go shoot a film uh, camera and a roll of film and, and, and get the results straight out of the camera. That and way. I'd argue it's probably more fun to do that than to do it in Lightroom. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, well, this is exciting. Just, I, I may I may go pick up some rolls next time I'm in San Francisco. <laughs> None of the, I mean, we have one camera store down here in the South Bay, and they do not have any, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I'll have to go up to the city to get some. I don't even have a film camera, and I may get a couple rolls. 
Yeah, well, you know, you could do worse for for your your like starting roles of film. To be honest, so. yeah. I mean, I think, I think it, to me, it's more that I want. I'm I'm voting with my wallet, right? I want right. this to continue to exist, and yeah. if I can throw thirty bucks at it to signal that there's interest here in the Bay Area, I mean, I'll do it. Sure. Right, and, and I will say too, this is a limited edition um, because right. they're probably going to iterate on it. So you know. Uh, there won't be it won't be available indefinitely so if you want yeah. it get it I, I want them to later. sell out <laughs> yeah. hopefully they sell out of this stuff yeah that would uh, be good very exciting um in other film news we talked previously about how lamography lowered the price of their 120 films and now uh kodak alaris has followed suit as well um they have dropped prices of some 120 films by up up as much as 35%, which is pretty nuts. Um, especially because Kodak Do you think films, this is permanent? This is, in theory, an end-of-year promotion. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. It, it's interesting it's because um, Kodak's 120 films are, are largely their, like, professional films, which are more expensive anyway. So that right. any, any sort of price drop is very welcome. Um, but, uh, yeah, you yeah. get all the one, of- the one comment on this article says, uh, I stopped shooting Kodak film years ago due to the price tag. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, like a five pack of ectochrome, uh, you know, slide film is still going to cost you a pretty penny, but it'll cost you slightly less of a pretty penny now. So, right. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Maybe they'll keep it. Who knows? I don't know. Hopefully. Um, then we've got, this is, this was weird when this was, uh, sort of unceremoniously dropped. This is other Kodak news. Yeah. Kodak, I don't understand this thing. Kodak has a brand new super eight film camera. That's also like technically a digital movie camera. Um, yeah. it was dropped, uh, at the end of November of 2023, this year, this thing was originally shown at CES in 2016. That's um, right. And they let people try it in 2017 at CES. 2017 and 2018. They posted like a reel for it in 2018. And then like no one heard about <laughs> it. Disappeared. And then on a random Tuesday night, they're like, we're taking reservations now. By the way, this Super 8 film camera, $5,500. <laughs> yeah, this this baffles me. This is it, I, I do not this, understand charging this price. This is a fifty five hundred dollar Super Eight film camera that charges with a micro USB, uh, right. because that's as how far long ago it was designed. Um, it has it it has an LCD viewfinder because it's a, a digital hybrid camera thing, um, and and in theory it it sort of shoots. Um, 16 by nine, uh, on super eight, which is, which is sort of novel because super eight is not, was not really meant for widescreen, um, usage. So they, they modified the gate slightly to shoot in a, it's not quite 16 by nine, but it's near enough. Um, this is kind of wild because, um, super eight film is not cheap and getting it processed in like transferred digitally is is even more expensive and like a single super 8 film cartridge 
uh, gets you two and a half minutes of video for like <laughs> 35, 40 bucks. Two yeah, and a half minutes for, for just the film. And then you have to yeah. pay for it to get processed and scanned, which is like exactly. 50 bucks at least. So, um, so have fun with that on top of your $5,700 camera. Yeah. You I can I, uh, spend uh, I don't, $40 to get two minutes of film. I don't know who's <sighs> buying this. If you want a super eight film camera, go buy one on eBay. They're yeah. like three, 400 bucks. <laughs> I mean, looking at the thing, it it looks it looks like a prototype still. It it, it, it doesn't even does. look like a real product. It looks like they three D printed this thing. Yeah, and what I was trying to figure out, like, is this a thing where Kodak has licensed their name and this is actually made by someone else? And that may be the case, but like, this is on Kodak's actual website, you know, right? Yeah. Not not like some other website. So I don't know. This is probably a licensing thing, but, like, it's weird. I don't know what's going on here. The whole saga of this thing from, like, 2016 to present is just, like, why did it take so long? I don't understand. Like, (laughs) I'm so confused by this. But, uh, you know, whatever. No idea. I expect that some of the bigger, like, film uh, photography YouTubers might pick this up, you know, because they can. I mean maybe you could get so many uh soviet cameras for this price though oh, oh my god <laughs> you could get literally thousands <laughs> <laughs> yeah why would you pick this thing up i don't know i don't know that's the thing it's like who is this for yeah it's got a pistol grip it's got a pistol grip. mount it's lenses an, it's got an sd card slot in addition well, that's for to the, the audio Super 8. yeah right yeah <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, this is baffling to me. I, I mean, somebody will like it probably, but yet, I don't know what you get out of this other than like just buy a used old one. It'll yeah. do the same thing. The, it, you know, honestly, this strikes me a bit like buying one of the brand new Leicas that shoots film. You know, except that yeah, I absolutely. kind of understand that more. But it's like, you know, you want something brand new that shoots a Baroque format. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yet that's nobody's going to buy this thing, (laughs) but that was still not the most baffling news from this week. Oh yes. Hey, Andrew, would you, would you like to spend $150 for a transparent PNG to upload to your camera? Um, no. (laughs) Well, well, Sony, Sony has a fantastic deal for you, uh, where you can give them 150 us dollars and they're going to let you add custom, grid lines to your a7 four um oh, oh sorry man. they don't even give you don't even get the ping you have to provide your own pngs uh oh. upload to this thing okay so yeah sony sony has made a thing where you can give them money to get a license to have custom grid lines and squares on your alpha 7 camera yeah, um, only, literally only, all it does only the alpha yes. 7 4 at the moment yes none of the other ones it's certainly it not the brand new one. To, yeah. <laughs> All it does is this. This is the only thing this that is, it does. It lets you add custom grid lines. This is, yeah, I, I really liked the line uh, in this Petapixel article. This is, it should be noted that this one function is the entirety of the $150 license. Yeah. <laughs> and they compare it to a Panasonic 
filmmaker upgrade that costs the same but adds 4K, 60P, 422, 10-bit HDMI live output, 4K, 30P, 24P, 422, 10-bit in-camera recording, lookup table support, and V-Log that you get for 150 This, you give Sony 150 of your hard-earned dollars, and they <laughs> give you the ability to draw some 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 rectangles on yes. the, on both the viewfinder and the LCD. Of it should be camera. noted as well that given how Sony does these licenses for their, you know, cinema cameras and things like that, you will need to be buying one of these licenses for every single camera you own if you want it on more than one. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, yeah. by the way, you you don't get an arbitrary number of custom grid lines. No, you get no, four no, no, maximum. Yes, correct. Maximum four. And they say, for example, staff at schools, photo studios, theme parks, cruise ships, malls, etc., will now have the ability to update their cameras with ease and utilize this tool for quick and precise, more professional shots. So basically, they're just trying to get money out of corporations. Correct. Um, and yeah. corporations have gone along with this. Uh, this upgrade has received the backing of multiple organizations, including Interstate Studio and Publishing, the School Photographers of America, and the School Photographers Association of California. Uh, oh, so the, the people; these are the people that come into your high school and uh, yeah. ask for three hundred dollars for a poorly taken portrait of your kid. Indeed. It says the target obviously is squarely what is often described as, quote, turn and burn photo jobs that are high volumes of consistent portraits. So, yeah. You know, the thing about that is, like, don't those people, if I'm remembering correctly from my childhood, they they set the camera on a tripod and they don't move it. Like, what are you yes, doing? Yes, that's correct. W- yeah. What do you need the lines for? Right. Um, I don't understand. Yeah. I also seem to remember in in my case it was Life Touch and they have their yes. own oh, cameras. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Yep. They sure do. This is uh I this is just I, I feel like this is just Sony being Sony, you know. <laughs> I think that Sony is going to continue to do more of this crap though. Yeah. I, right. I, I this is I mean they already do it on all of their cinema cameras. Right. Like if you want if you if you for instance have a uh what is this one here? This is a PXW uh something or other, one of their oh, studio so cameras. one of Sony's uh uh famous and very easy to understand naming schemes. Okay, here's a, here's an easier one to understand. The Venice 2. Okay. Um I got that if one. you would like to shoot full frame video on the Venice 2. I would. You can you can give Sony $440 for a 30-day license to allow you to do that. Okay, great. Um and you have to keep buying it um if you want more. The same for if you'd okay. like to shoot anamorphic as well. Anamorphic is also $440 for 30 days. Okay. Okay, interesting. So that yeah. what they what they've done here is they've done um what the car world has tried to do, which is it's not enough to sell you a single thing once. They have to keep selling you the thing that you already possess. That's right. Yeah. This is this is like the uh photography equivalent of BMW charging you a monthly fee for the heated seat. And it's like, but it but it can do that all the time. Yeah, right. But BMW gave up on that completely because yeah. uh, nobody's going to pay for that. But I guess I guess Sony can get away with this because like they are one of the top, you know, cinema camera manufacturers. 
Like what, what choice do you have? Right. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're yeah, either so- going to pick Sony, Canon or Ari, or I guess black magic. Red, you could, red. but yeah, like red's got, there's not a lot of choices. <laughs> right. And they're all, it's all a racket ultimately. Yes. Yeah. And like you already presumably have a ton of Sony lenses. So mm-hmm. if you need to upgrade your cinema camera, you're just going to get one that works with your $200,000 lens investment. Yeah, you're and, kind of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, with it. you wanted to record full frame? Good news. <laughs> hey, you gave us, listen, you gave us $25,000 for this camera. How don't you fork over another 400 bucks to use the whole camera? <laughs> I do want to note in typical Sony style that each software license has a model number that is inscrutable. Correct, yes. Um, I'm looking here. We've got the HZC-PRV20. Uh, that's a 1080 50p slash 60p upgrade for HDC cameras. If you know what that is, great, uh, good for you. We've got the HZC-PSF20W. That's a seven-day software license for shooting 24 to 25 PSF with HDC. I don't understand. What are they doing over there? <laughs> I don't they're understand just, they're, like, uh, they're like taking their internal SAP part numbers and just making them I know, them yeah, right. This is right, like, like when the, you, these are the numbers that shouldn't see the light of day. You should yeah. apply a marketing name to things and they just don't. This is publishing your Jira numbers as your, as your yeah. Program. Yeah. I'm also, this is, this is Sony's professional website, which is pro.sony and they've got latest from Sony and right on here is compose multiple shots quickly, consistently and reliably with our custom <laughs> Gridline license. They're, they're not only proud of this, they're smug about it. <laughs> Right. At least it's a permanent license for $150, not like a 30-day thing. So supposedly these 30-day licenses, apparently you can get um, a permanent one, but only from authorized Sony dealers. Oh, of course. You can't just get it yourself. You got to go to the Sony dealership. Yeah. Right. (sighs) Amusement parks. Now you can get an exceptional preview of how images will look after compositing into computer graphics. As PNG files, the grid lines can contain characters, logos, and other graphic elements. So they can put like the stupid frame they put in on the photos into the camera so that they know not to cover you up with like a Bugs Bunny or whatever. Disney already made their own custom software. Who are they selling know, this I, to? I, I don't know. Oh, well, probably Six Flags <laughs> <laughs> or Cedar Fair. Oh, true. Yeah, Six Flags. <laughs> Six Six Flags Cedar Fair, which I think are combining C- Cedar Flags, Six Fair. Yeah. Disney has a whole complicated thing where there's like a there's an Android phone attached to all of the cameras. The Android mm. phone is constantly extracting data from the camera about like the camera's health basically um, interesting and if it determines that something is wrong with the images like if the lens is dirty or the sensor has a speck of dust on it it will automatically like call in reinforcements uh, it will <laughs> it will alert somebody and they will send out a replacement camera wow automatically like you don't have yeah. to even do anything And they've got a whole bunch of other, like, back-end processing that they do, too. Mm. Um, I just don't... Like, Disney's not going to buy this. Well, they shoot Nikon anyway, so they're not definitely not going to buy this, but... (laughs) As as well they should. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, by the way, if you want to know how, like, photography businesses are doing generally, LifeTouch was acquired by Shutterfly in 2018. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I'm sure that's going great. Um, Anyway, 
That's the end of the news segment. Uh, you have a new toy, and um, well, I had a new toy. <laughs> I was so going to say have, you have some impressions to share. <laughs> okay, I, over the years, I've gotten pretty decent with Lightroom keyboard shortcuts, as one does. But yeah, hum- when brag. I'm going through, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> when I'm going through and like editing a bunch of photos or mostly just culling, I guess this is the theme of my two segments today, culling. Culling, yes. Culling, yes. What I try to do is apply very basic edits. So I may just change the exposure a little bit as I'm going through, change mm-hmm. the sharpness, apply, you know, uh, auto straightening or whatever that Lightroom does. Um as I'm just going through and then accept and reject very quickly. The thing about Lightroom is you have to be like in the right mode to be able to do those things. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the develop pane, it's much slower to move between the images while you're previewing them than it is if you're in the library view, because it doesn't load the whole preview in the library view. Right. So I was looking Lightroom for a tool a that could very solve well this. developed piece of software. Yes, it's it's definitely not made in Flash Player. Um, <laughs> it's all action script underneath. That's a joke uh, for our our computer sciencey listeners. <laughs> that's a joke for those of you who used to develop for Adobe Flex like me. Real yeah. heads know. Anyways, mm. um, I, I was looking for something that could sort of make this better, and so I tried this thing that Amazon keeps recommending to me called the Torbox, which is a purpose built. Which- multi like it's a controller that's supposed to do this kind of stuff yeah it's one of these things there's there's you know there's a lot of these things about um and boy does amazon like to show them to you at random time like you will have never heard of this thing and then amazon was like you need to buy this thing immediately and it's like um well there was a black friday deal so i figured i would try it and see what i would get and what it is they've done some pretty interesting stuff with it it's this little like uh iPhone sized box that's raised up and it has multiple buttons the, on it. You got the Torbox Elite because I see there's yes. multiple. Uh, They're all okay. the same interface. They just oh, have they? Like, right. the Elite is wireless. That's the difference, really. Ah, uh, I see. Because I've gone to the Torbox Neo and the product photo has the guy using it. Um, yeah. And then right behind him is a Hasselblad uh, yeah. just sitting on the table. So, but they're like, all they're I'm all the same the interface. <laughs> so it has on its face, it has one, two, three, four, five, six unique buttons. It has a D pad. It has a jog wheel, a knob, and a, like a mouse scroll wheel. And then it has a side button. And the interesting thing that they've done is all of the buttons are different shapes, and they have different textures. So it's fairly easy without looking to feel which say- one you're pushing. This looks like a fidget toy, to be quite yes. honest. Yeah, with it does you. look like a fidget toy. And it does have haptics or as like well. A, so you a can a thing you'd give an infant, you know. <laughs> yeah. It has haptics, so you can customize what uh Okay, that's like confirmation that's haptics happen when yeah. you make edits, which is pretty clever. Um and honestly, like the hardware itself is solid. And even their software, while it's a little janky, the software is also pretty solid. Mm-hmm. The thing that they do that I appreciate is in Lightroom and Final Cut and all the other things they support, it actually installs a plugin to do the controls that it's doing instead of just relying on keyboard shortcuts. That's so mm-hmm. much more reliable than something like a Stream yeah. Deck. 
which you could achieve something similar with. Yes. Um, I tried it. It, I, to be clear, it works as advertised. It does do exactly what it says. I could not for the life of me remember what any of the dials or buttons are supposed to do. Mm, yeah. I feel like this is something that you would have to be using day in and day out. You have to use out. it a lot yeah. to figure it out. And right. it, it has some tools where it can do like a sort of uh, transparent overlay in the corner of your screen that kind of reminds you what the buttons are while you're yeah. in Lightroom. But, so that's but helpful. Like, but now I'm like looking back and forth trying to remember which button is which. Right. And like this is why the Stream Deck is just like a display with buttons exactly. on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as like if if you are willing to put in the effort to actually learn this thing, I think it actually is pretty good. Yeah. But I already know the Lightroom keyboard shortcuts, and I just can't make it work. Well, you know what I'm going to ask you next, because I know you've been coveting it, is are you still thinking about getting a loop deck? <sighs> yeah, there's the loop deck that's like photo editing specific yeah. that I've wanted. The problem that I have with it is that loop deck seems to be going in a different direction. They're basically now all of their new products are just like Stream Deck competitors. This is true, and they were just purchased by Logitech, so that is likely yeah. to continue. I don't yeah. have confidence that they will continue to support the photo specific one, even though that is very that, similar to what I want. Right. That was like their first product, I think, is they yes. made this like it's made for photo and video editing, and then they made one with a screen, and then they're like, oh, uh, they saw like how popular wants. the stream deck got, and they're like, ah, we should just make that. Um, well, and they made they made the loop deck CT, which yes. is good for like video, uh, is my understanding, but it's a little mm -hmm. overkill for photo. Yeah. Um, so the loop deck plus is the one that I would get, which has like it has dials, it has keys, it has wheels for each of the colors that are it always looks a little that. bit like uh like a an OP1 synthesizer to be quite honest. But it's like <laughs> but all of the controls are just if you took the Lightroom edit panel and just mm -hmm. made that into a physical object. That's right. pretty much made it what into it is. knobs and wheels, yeah. Yeah. This is way more what I'm looking for. Yeah. And you know, I don't know, maybe I'll try it. I'm just afraid that they stop supporting it and then it doesn't work anymore. That's sort of yeah, what I'm afraid of. That's that that's a, a real possibility. Um yeah. yeah, I don't know what to say. Like the fact that it's been purchased by Logitech gives me faith that like the company is not going to up and disappear. But it also that's seems true. like they are clearly aiming at a different niche now. And so like they're probably going to continue to make loop decks that are targeted towards streaming. <laughs> You know, yeah, and, yeah. So I don't know how long the Loop Deck Plus is going to be supported. I actually, I have the Loop Deck Live S, which is like their Stream Deck competitor. Yeah, um, and it's interesting, uh, but it's it's uh, I guess them getting purchased by Logitech is encouraging because like the Stream Deck has w much wider support just because it right. sort of got there first. That the loop deck is not as uh, useful in that regard, but it is. I, I kind of like it better. It's better hardware than the Stream Deck, to be honest with you. Yeah, the Stream Deck does feel kind of cheap. 
Mm-hmm. I do wonder if the end the end state for loop deck, or maybe not even the end state, but whatever happens next is you get one of these Logitech like MX Master keyboards that has some like loop this, deck features in it. Yeah, it has the like screen buttons and knobs. Exactly. Know. Yeah, that's that's you know, I what I'm expecting next. I wouldn't mind something that's like a TKL keyboard and then above the function keys and sort of angled more towards you is the like loop deck display and knobs like a a whole console keyboard yeah i don't know you know i want i want like a big control console you know well yeah see the thing is the tour box as as you were describing it i was like this is not that different from the specialized controller i have for playing train simulator that that emulates a uh a train control (laughs) system yeah you know and it's like also not that different from like all the flight simulator crazy things you can get too so well there is okay there is one other complaint i have with the tour box which is the natural place to put it is on the left side of your keyboard yeah and that's that's you also need to use specifically designed to do it says left-handed use except it's if it was truly for left-handed use the side button would be on the other side Mm. where your thumb is and not where your pinky is yeah that's my complaint like it's if i were to use that with my left hand i would want basically all of the controls flipped to the like mirror where they are Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really work with my left hand it works fine with my right hand but i need the mouse so yeah yeah so (laughs) it goes disappointing but if if you are willing to learn it like i said i think it actually probably is pretty good if you can put in the time but i can't it looks well designed i can say it is very well designed and honestly it is very solid like it's not like a 3d printed piece of junk like it's it's heavy (laughs) thing is it is beefy yeah Uh, that's like i bought at the beginning of COVID. i bought one of those like zoom mute buttons and yeah like it was very clear that it was like an arduino inside a (laughs) cheap plastic case (laughs) it's like this is not i don't feel great about this it might even be cheaper (laughs) it might be like just an esp32 in there right yeah and it's like (laughs) it's like for the price i paid for this like uh that was almost pure profit for you guys like for sure yeah and the other, so the other piece that I'm trying, mm-hmm. um, in the past few years, I've been doing a lot more sports photography than I used to. Mm-hmm. And when you shoot sports at high frame rate, you end up with 4,000, 5,000 photos from a single event. And yeah. most of them are garbage. As and, a film photographer, uh, my eyes just popped out of my head thinking <laughs> about how expensive that would be. <laughs> Well, don't even don't look at the storage costs either, because yeah. well, my camera just... takes fifty megabyte RAWs, <laughs> yeah. and I have five thousand of those now, or five thousand more. Yeah. Um, so the challenge with sports is you take a whole bunch of pictures, and now you have to go through them one by one and delete like ninety percent of them because right. they're junk, yeah. and they're easy to tell that they're junk because they're out of focus or. The subject is moving blurry, or yeah. yeah, it's blurry or it's a shot of the ground that you didn't realize you were holding the shutter down or whatever. They're relatively easy to identify which ones are bad. It's just time consuming. Mm-hmm. So something I've wanted for a long time is, OK, why can't I train an AI model to know what an out of focus photo looks like and just delete that by itself? Yeah. And it this turns is- out that some of these other startups had the same idea. 
Yeah, this is what I would say is a good use of it. Rather than hallucinating a photo, you're telling it, you know, here's what in focus looks like. Here's what out of focus looks like. Now here's a bunch of photos. Uh, Yes. Get rid of the out of focus ones. Yes, exactly. And so I I was looking at options for this. There's a couple of products out there. Um, There's Imogen is the like fancy one, but their pricing is... That's Ludicrous, one that I frankly. tried recently with their free plan, which does not include culling, crucially. Yeah. So, yeah. And they charge per photo on their expensive plan. It's it's yeah. very costly. And I would almost say that, like, Imogen's um, free offering is not really AI. All it is basically doing is, like, applying Lightroom presets en masse yeah. to your photos. Which is which not that. is not what I want these to do. Like all of yeah. them have uh, some like I sort can of do that myself. You know, just they like all have some sort of AI editing in there. Well, they're like learn your style and try to yeah. apply edits, right? Which I think could be valuable, but also I can just make a Lightroom preset that does that. I don't exactly. need right. this thing to do yeah. it. Right. So I'm trying one called AfterShoot, which has a culling only plan. Um, okay so it they will charge i think it's like 15 or 20 bucks a month and it only does the calling it doesn't do anything else and crucially Uh, not per photo cost right exactly and it takes a while like so i ran it on those five thousand photos from this last event that i shot last week and it took like an hour and a half for it to go through and and do it I, i do have to tell you that um this is a little cutesy because I've gone to their facts here and says, what does aftershot calling do? Are AI powered algorithms or magical unicorns as we call yeah. them? Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. This is made don't by, do, this product is made by millennials very yeah. obviously. Yeah. But the thing that well, I appreciate about it should about be it, noted that we are both millennials. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which and is why we find it even more disappointing. It's just like, come on. <laughs> So why, why you gotta it, do that? Anyway, the I, my one gripe with this right off the bat is that it doesn't integrate with Lightroom very well. None of them do. To be clear, mm, you kind of have yeah. to process the photos in this thing first and then put them into Lightroom. Yeah, uh, which U- ultimately fine. all of these are basically like like the extent to which they integrate with Lightroom is that like there is a button it's, that uploads them from Lightroom. No, not even that. It's that yeah. it. Uh, it writes an X, it uses XMP sidecars to do it, which okay. is fine. Like that is the way that you're supposed to do non-destructive editing. Mm. So the, the way to make this work with Lightroom well is to go into your Lightroom catalog and set it to automatically save the XMP sidecars for all of your photos. Normally Lightroom stores that in the Lightroom database only, but you can make it write out the sidecar files for all of the photos. And mm. then if you open a folder of your originals in Aftershoot, it will just pick up any edits you've already applied in Lightroom because they're in the XMP. Um, and mm. when you save it back from Aftershoot, it saves it into the XMP, which Lightroom will then pick up again. So the integration's fine that way. I just wish it was like a plugin in Lightroom directly. That would be better. Um, this is complicated. This is why I should film. There's still what, what is a sidecar. <laughs> You know, what is metadata? Metadata is what I write on the back of the print when I'm done with it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. This is how you do non-destructive editing. That's the whole reason it's like this. Yeah. But anyway, I've tried it, and 
it's actually fairly customizable, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So when you tell it to start calling, it asks you a couple of questions. Number one is what kind of thing did you shoot? Um, and it has mm-hmm. several categories, but you choose this is a sports event. And I'm assuming they use that to kind of cut down the model size that it has to run. You can right. get a more they, specified they what, one. They can, yeah, they can, they can pare down what sort of things they're looking for. Right. Yeah. And then you can just choose the automated one, which has some sane defaults, or you can choose a customized one, which lets mm. you say, like, is it one of the things it does is it will group duplicates with which with sports is very useful. So it can say, like, this oh, is yeah. all the same shot and it picks the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the duplicate photos finder, you can choose how many you want it to try to group together. So you can say you want small groups or large groups where it picks one. Um, you can customize that. You can customize uh, what it thinks a blurry photo is. You can customize what it thinks closed and open eyes are, like whether you want it to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also a manual calling feature where it doesn't make any decisions, but it adds like flags to the pictures that let you sort them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you tell it to do this, I think it does download and run some of this locally on your machine. Mm. Uh, and it takes quite a while. So like I said, I had 5,000 photos. It took about an hour and a half. But I but came you're back. Meant, you're meant to be doing something else. You know, this is freeing you up, as it were. Yes. And for me, it's I click it and then I walk away for a while and come back later. Right. Um, which is what I do anyways when I import things into Lightroom because I, for to make editing faster, I have it generate the one-to-one previews, which takes a while anyways. Mm-hmm. But what it does then, after it's done, it uh, applies star ratings to photos, and you can customize what the star ratings mean, but the defaults are reasonably sane. Um, so it'll apply star ratings based on the quality that it believes the photo has. It will pull out key faces across the entire collection of photos, so it can try to recognize the same person and make sure you get like good photos of that person. Mm-hmm. Um, you can choose for sports in particular, it will does a pretty good job of grouping and giving you like the good shot out of a burst. Um, and then it just saves all of the ratings and stuff back to Lightroom. So you don't actually have to do anything in Aftershoot other than just let it write the metadata and then go back to Lightroom. And then in Lightroom, suddenly all of your photos already have star ratings and they already have colors assigned to them and you can customize what the colors mean but mm-hmm. i don't really use aftershoot itself to do any of the processing i just have it like rank them basically mm-hmm. and right. for this sports event this did a really good job so that 5000 it cut it down to i think about 450 that were four or five stars and then it also will pick the ones that it thinks are the best so it'll pick maybe in this case it picked like 45 that it thought were the best ones. Yeah. Um, and they are pretty good. Uh, so for sports, this thing totally works for sports. Yeah. It's great. And this that. is, this is, I'm looking at their pricing for the calling only. It's $15 a month build monthly, yeah. which is not, it's bad. fairly reasonable. Yeah. And they do have a black Friday deal right now where it's $99 for a whole year. Oh, there you go. Um, but <laughs> yeah, this thing, it, it does what it says, at least for sports. I have to try it on some other event types, but I'm mm. very pleased with how it works on sports photography because that 
those events took me forever to go through. Yeah. There's just so many pictures. Yeah. And this saves, this does for that. It saves a ton, a ton of time. Yeah. See, this is the sort of AI that, that, you know, I think photographers can get behind, you know, absolutely. Uh, automated calling things like that you know i think you mentioned too that it you know can detect duplicates which i think is also a really good application of AI. like yeah relatively trivial for a computer to tell you what two images are exactly the same but to tell you which two images are basically the same but like maybe offset (laughs) slightly is a much harder problem uh that you need really need like ai for so yeah yeah so this in in this case like there were a couple of shots where it was like somebody catching the football and I took, you know, I have 20 right. frames per second. So I have 100, <laughs> 200 photos of it and yeah. it picks one. That's the best one. And it right. It, it is right. It's correct about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it does in low light situations or anything like that because this was a daytime game. But uh, I'm going to keep trying this on other things that I do and we'll see how it does. It mm-hmm. definitely, it definitely saved me a ton of time on this one. Yeah, it sounds like it. It er, they earned your business. <laughs> yeah, at least for now. I mean, yeah. if Adobe goes and puts this into Lightroom, I'm going to just use the Lightroom one. That <laughs> that is something they should explore rather than like the generative fill stuff, which is I think like they neat, are. But come on, <laughs> you know. Yeah, generative fill is a whole other thing we should talk about. I've experimented with it quite a bit lately. Yeah. But it, it, you know, Adobe has a unique position where they're training their own models. They're not just using OpenAI. Right. So if they can set their minds to doing this kind of thing, I'm reasonably confident they could. Yeah. 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 And I'll be curious, too. I think um, one of the big Lightroom uh, competitors, Luminar Neo, yeah has been leaning heavily into AI stuff lately. And I expect that. Wasn't it called Luminar AI now? I guess it's just called that. (laughs) I think you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Luminar. Yeah. Um, I expect that that, you know, will continue to branch out to like affinity photo and all of these other things. So Yeah. yeah. Affinity. Sure. I don't know about capture one. They're sort of on their own planet over there. Yeah. Oh, no, so Luminar Neo used to be called Luminar AI. Ah. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, this uh, is this is my latest thing. It it does what it says on the tin. Both of the things do what they say on the tin, one better than the other. Yeah. Which is kind of a refreshing surprise, I feel. It is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at work, I'm involved with AI stuff, and it's all super disappointing. Yeah. But this this is this is actually good. I am. Oh, and by way of a personal update, I I have a job again, and I am so Hooray. glad to be involved in stuff that does not involve AI really at all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that must be nice. Making stuff, physical stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do it, miss that about nice. my old job. Making stuff was nice. It's nice, uh, me having worked in software for so long, and I'm back in hardware, and it's like, I can see the thing I'm working on. I can mm-hmm. see if it works or not, like, readily. Yeah. Uh, but it's also a little bit scary, because some of the stuff that I'm working on is 
uh, high-voltage battery systems. So if you screw them up, <laughs> bad things happen. <laughs> the hardware that kills you instantly. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's like, don't don't get your hands anywhere near this specific area of this component. Uh, yeah. 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 So, anyway. Um. What one thing I wanted to bring up is the uh, Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards has uh, announced their 2023 winners. Um, obviously, this being an audio medium, uh, we're not going to go through them. But you can uh, click through the link; they're all very good. These are very good. This is all <laughs> I hadn't you know. seen the new ones. These are great. I know the one. I think my favorite. <laughs> so the top winner is called Air Guitar Roo. It's a kangaroo that looks like it's playing air guitar. Very good. My favorite is the Affinity Photo Two People's Choice Award dispute in which two birds are arguing. And yes, the one, is just, <laughs> the one is pointing with his wing, like. <laughs> like yes, this get is fantastic. Out. <laughs> uh, so if you need to brighten your day a little bit, these are just a fantastic way to do it. These are great. These are the I, kind honestly, of nature I'm, photos I endeavor to take, but never I, succeed. Right? Yeah. I don't. If you scroll to the very bottom, there is a uh, what is this? Uh, a family of gray foxes. This is a gray fox with a cigar in its mouth. <laughs> just, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just lounging yep. with a cigar. Yeah. That it found. Now, <laughs> Another good one that I love is the the dove that's just running into a cactus of some sort. Just full full speed face into the cactus. It's great. Yeah. That's you know, I feel like I need to download some of these just for like those days at work, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> put it on a hang in there poster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, these are good. I love them. So the last topic I wanted to talk about is photo books. Photo Have you books. ever... And this is in the context of, like, a personal photo book, not like a... Uh, mm. uh, not like something you'd not submit to an art contest or whatever. Or anything. Yeah, right. Well, not the kind of stuff Victoria Scott makes, right? I'm talking about, like, mm. things you make for your family. Have mm. you ever mm. done anything like this? Um, No. Uh, but my stepmom does, I mean, she, she calls them scrapbooking cause she, she did them, you know, way back when with actual print photos and things like that. Sure. Um, she does them all like digitally now, I think on like yeah. Shutterfly, you know? Yeah. Shutterfly um, has a service for this, but she loves to make a scrapbook like after each family trip kind of thing. Um, so when we went on so, vacation recently, she was like, you have to send me all your pictures so I can make a scrapbook, you know. That must it's be nice that somebody does it for you. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> exactly. So I started doing these uh, in like 2018, I think. Um, so I'm I'm not the best at finding and giving gifts to especially family. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And I was looking for... I guess what I thought would be an easy out, right? I was a photographer. I'll make photo books that people will like. Right. Yeah. uh, No, it's not easy at all. Mm. Um, What I did then and what I still do now is use Mimeo Photos, which is a plugin for Apple Photos that lets you design the photo books in there. 
Oh yeah. And well, this is they used to have that functionality built in when it was iPhone. Yes, it was built in. And Mimeo yeah. is the company that used to produce the Apple photo books. So oh, if you okay. are someone who used to make the Apple ones and want something that looks the same, Mimeo they literally make the same thing. And they have pretty much the same designs as they yeah. used to. So you can get matching ones. I still. guess I always thought this was interesting, but I, I, you know, was not a photographer until relatively recently. So now this has sure. got me thinking. Um, yeah, these are so the books themselves are actually really high quality. And around this time of year, they do pretty good deals. So they're not horrendously expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, what I struggle with always is like, is this photo good enough to print? Are the things that I've done this year and the photos I've taken interesting enough to print? Um, yes. I'm going to say yes, because like you need to adopt the mentality of my stepmom, honestly, which is like the pictures go in the book. It's a memento, yeah. you know, like you're yeah, not that's true. like you, as you say, like you're not making this to sell it. So, right. you know, like what? To put the put the photos in the book, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the other piece is like I, I've toyed on and off with. So I didn't do one in 2020, but I did one in 2021 covering the last two years. And then I didn't do one last year because we moved to California. And I didn't really have time to put it together. Um, I've gone on and off with trying to do narration in there. Or like tell okay. a story of some yeah. type, yeah. and that's that's difficult to convey that, a sort of story with the photos. Yes. Um. So I don't know. I I think I'm going to make one this year. I guess I have to do that like this weekend if I want to get it before Christmas. But yeah. I'm I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with that. I don't yeah, know I how know. to that's tell a story part. for the that's whole the- year. <laughs> Right. That's the, that's the part that requires creativity. I don't know how to help yeah. you with that one. <laughs> I think like, we might have to If you're doing it for have... a single event, right? If you're doing it right. for a, a, a vacation you took, that's right. one yeah. thing. Yeah. The vacation stuff is really easy because it's like day one, day two, yeah. day three, you know? But yeah, but throughout the year. I've taken like 10,000 pictures this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which ones are worth putting in this book? And how do I weave them into something that's interesting to look at? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you start with, like, obviously you have, like, the big events, vacations, yeah. or other things that you went to. And then I think you might just have to say, like, you might just have to weave in, like, you know, uh, you know, maybe you go, like, month by month, and you say, like, you know, this big thing happened this month, and then, you know, there was also these, uh, you know, sort of run-of-the-mill photos i don't know because i'm thinking about this now too that like i have enough photos that i could probably make like a 2023 photo book and what would that look like um you know i don't know it's an interesting thought i'm sure my mom would love it to have it on her coffee oh see this is the thing it totally beats any other gifts for family like hands down especially parents grandparents they love this well, I my, my mom's birthday was recently, and she'll kill me if I you know say anything about her birthday beyond that. But um, I asked her what she wanted, um, and she said she wanted um, some like prints big enough to go on the wall of some photos I took, 
at a photo walk that she actually accompanied me at where we uh, went to a uh, a sunflower field. And sunflowers are one Got of it. her favorite flowers. So I was like, that's easy and also really cheap because prints are like, yeah. you know, at that size are like $10, $13. Like, yeah. and, then a, and then a frame, you know. I should note that Mimeo so. also does those things. Yeah. Um, they do all kinds of like, you want it printed on a canvas or on a, in a, they'll even frame it for you. They'll put it on wood. Uh, I have got it on metal. I've gotten photos, not like my photos, but like family photos that we've had taken and I've had them printed on canvas and I've even done the fracture print to glass stuff before. Um, I used to do fracture, but now I just print them myself and frame them. Yeah. I don't have a super nice photo printer, but it's good enough. Yeah. You know, I, I, I ordered a photo printer, uh, for black Friday and then I was like, ah, this is kind of expensive, and I can just go yeah. to the local camera store, and they'll print it out and do a better job of it. You they know? sure <laughs> will. <laughs> because have you, they have so you've even never, fancier printers than I have, you know? You've never had a photo printer before? Not like a proper one. You know, I've had an yeah, inkjet so one... that can theoretically print on glossy <laughs> paper, but not like a... A cool know. thing about photo printers is they take like eight different ink cartridges. Yes. And those cartridges have like the smallest amount of ink you've ever seen in them. Well, so they run out like instantly. It's interesting you say that because there are now super tank, as they call them, versions of photo printers that have like the refillable you just get the bottle of ink and fill it up but uh you know boy are those things big because now they have like a giant reservoir of like hey, eight different ink epson, colors epson <laughs> eco tank photo all in one yeah and of how, course it's an all in one so it has a scanner on it for some reason uh, yeah cuz that's what you need um how ridiculous is that with like all the photo colors <laughs> It's it's nuts. <laughs> it doesn't even have all of them. This yeah. is still this is still not all of them. This is CMYK gray, black, and pigment black. It's missing yeah, it doesn't doesn't have everything. I thought maybe it's Canon that has one that has all of them. They do. Yeah. And and Epson has one too. It's just not the one that I had pulled up. Right. Yeah. They are they, they photo printers are so expensive. <laughs> that yeah, God. <laughs> it, you really just like honestly, like even if you just go to like the kiosk at Walmart or or yeah, Walgreens it's going to be better. Something. Yeah, yeah. But I, my dad used to have one. And it was pretty good. Mega tank. Printers. Oh, here we go. Here's a Canon one that has eleven ink cartridges in it. Yeah, I think I think that's probably that's almost enough. <laughs> yeah, and each of them Oh, sorry, 12, 12, not 11. Oh, okay, um, yeah, right, good. And each of them probably has uh each cartridge probably costs $45 mm-hmm. to replace. So, yeah. yeah, hope hope you don't run out of ink. Right. Well, <laughs> and and so, you know, um on the uh, the issue of like how do you create a narrative for a photo book, uh, and you mentioned Victoria Scott, we, we should see if we can get her get her on and ask her about that. Yeah, I would love to ask her about it. 
Um, and then you can also ask her about photo printers because she has, I believe, one of these very expensive photo printers. <laughs> oh boy! Because I know if I she's, printed more, I would get one. Yeah, she's been selling prints, and I recall that she uh, had to uh, pause things briefly because she needed to get a new ink cartridge, and it was like you know, both ridiculous in price and also like photo printer ink cartridges are not super widely available you can't just stop into target and grab one off the no rack, you know so no, i mean you can get them from <laughs> staples but you have to order them they never right. have them in yeah. the store i mean yeah like good luck walking into a best buy and being like yeah i need a pigment black it'd be like what <laughs> yeah they're they are not gonna have that <laughs> so the, the yeah. printer we have we have a multifunction canon something or other that does have a pigment black so that's why we print photos on it. They're not like the best, but they're good enough to, you know, frame around the house for a while. They're yeah. totally fine for that. Yeah. yeah. But that one also can do 11 by 17 if you want mm. them big, which is nice. Yeah. I think I'm trying to remember if the one that I ordered was capable of that. Cause there are cheap ish photo printers that have the good ink cartridges, but they max out at, you know, letter size basically right um and my thing is like but i want to print big what i really like so (laughs) i i do have a photo printer and it's the canon selfie which is like the um die sublimation printer which is very i have one of those too (laughs) it's very neat and it it produces pretty high quality prints but you're limited to four by six at the at the at the most so right um you know, which is like which, fine for me to give to people, but I, I, I was talking to one of my photo walk friends who was getting his photos printed in large format at the camera store while I happened to be there, uh, and I was like, I was like, I don't know, I feel weird putting photos up that I've taken but have like other people, you know, yes, like absolutely, or whatever on the wall, and he's like, he's yeah. like, why, just do it, <laughs> and I was like, I. Huh. Huh. Like I yeah, have I photos of I feel weird about it. <laughs> I have photos in my house of other people, but it's my friends. It's not like right. random, yeah. you know, models. I don't know. Yeah. It's like I don't know. I'm worried I guess I'm worried that someone's gonna come into my house and be like, Who's that? You know? <laughs> how who, like, how are they dare related you? to you? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is my thing is I'm I'm just in my head, there's always the person who is like coming into my house and judging me harshly, yeah, right. <laughs> and asking me all sorts of weird questions. So, as we uh, know, that happens almost if, every day. Someone's if always. If anyone knows house. of a drug that you can take or a prescription that gets rid of that voice in your head, please let me know. <laughs> I need it badly. <laughs> Oh and goodness. speaking of ways to contact us, uh, yes. this has been Sensor Noise. <laughs> you can find us at sensornoise.com, Instagram at sensornoisepod, and on Blue Sky at Sensor Noise. Uh, contact us in all of those various ways. Um, yeah, and if you like the podcast, please tell a friend. Yeah.